Hello, and welcome back to the Black Valor Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie M. Parks, and I apologize for the long hiatus, but we are back, and there will be regular episodes on the usual two-week schedule coming up. I also have some interviews, but right now, today I'm going to talk about the 761st Tank Battalion. This will probably be a three-part series. For the first one, I'll discuss the founding of the unit. For the second episode, I'll cover the events that happened once the unit made it to Europe and fought through the war. Then for the final episode, I'll discuss some of the standout people who were in the unit. Uh, They were all outstanding, but there were some who gained recognition beyond their peers. So just a brief episode to cover them. As always, you can find us at www.blackvalor.net. You can email me at blackvalor1010 at gmail.com or go to our Twitter page at blackvalor1010 or Facebook page at blackvalor. So lots of outlets there for you to go, especially go to the website. And if you don't get the podcast, you only subscribe through iTunes or one of the other services uh, on the website. I generally will have a gallery that goes along with each podcast. So there'll be pictures, documents, uh, some of the references, things I've used. If you want to have a little more information about what's going on with these uh, issues I'm discussing. So let's talk now about the 761st Tank Battalion. During World War I, there were approximately 380,000 blacks who served. All but 42,000 were assigned to support roles. In World War II, roughly 2.5 million blacks served, but there were only 50,000 in combat units. So if you can do the math, even though there were three times more blacks serving in the military, you only had an increase of approximately 8,000 more that were assigned to combat roles. Uh, This was, of course, disconcerting to blacks and to those that shared their cause and didn't see them as second-class citizens, but full-fledged Americans. President Roosevelt, Franklin D. Roosevelt, worried about the political ramifications of preventing Negroes from serving in combat units. Elections were still going on, and there were quite a few blacks that could add to a presidential bid. So he was wanting to get the black vote. On the other side, his wife, Eleanor Roosevelt, and then Senator Harry Truman, wanted Negroes to have the same opportunities to prove themselves as white troops on the battlefield. So they worked behind the scenes to orchestrate events for blacks to actually serve in more than just the service capacity in the military. They were not without people who were friendly to them in the army. In particular, General Leslie J. McNair, who was the chief of the army ground forces, believed that black soldiers would be just as valuable as white soldiers and deserved a chance to serve in combat units. He was on the side of Miss Roosevelt and Senator Truman. Unfortunately, he was killed during bombing in Normandy, France in July 1944. It would be interesting to have seen what would have come of integration in the army if he was still alive. But there was some movement during the war. In March of 1941, the first group of 98 Negro enlisted men reported to Fort Knox, Kentucky at the Armored Force School for three months of training. 
These men were the first black men to be trained as tankers. Uh, one of the recruits, a Leonard Smith, wanted to join the Army Air Corps, but the recruiting sergeant told him Negroes would not be accepted and since he had scored high on the Army's IQ test, the sergeant recommended the Armored Corps because it was still a very technical job, one that they didn't think blacks could do, but they were not disqualified from. So he was one of those original students. Many of those recruits they found once they got to the school had never even driven a car. So they had to learn just basic motor vehicle maintenance and operation first before they would learn how to drive a tank. They were just coming from the depression where cars were truly a luxury. Handling equipment like a tank or a vehicle like a tank was a big deal when you had never even sat behind the seat of a vehicle. At the school, training took place on M5 Stewart light tanks. And those were smaller tanks, uh, not as popular as a standard M4 tank, which was the mainstay of the uh, Army forces during the war. But the Stewarts were smaller, lighter, and used for reconnaissance. The M5 had a 37 millimeter cannon and three 30 caliber machine guns. Each tank had four positions, a tank commander, a driver, gunner, and a replacement gunner. Throughout the course of the training, the Negro troops received pretty much the same training as the white troops, with one major exception. While white trainees were given live ammunition to shoot, Negro tankers had to conduct dry runs. Basically, they would go through the motions of firing the uh, cannons without actually shooting the guns, without using ammunition. And that was until they were in their final week. In their final week, each Negro tanker was allowed to shoot a single round of ammunition. In contrast, white troops had used live ammunition throughout the whole length of their training. So the decks were a little bit stacked against them, but the mechanical movement of loading the weapon, firing the weapon, had really been drilled into them. Once the school finished, these graduates formed the first black tank battalion in June 1941, and it was designated the 758th Tank Battalion Light. The light designation just meant they were issued light tanks, the M5. And they moved to Camp Claiborne, Louisiana. The 761st actually formed on March 15th of 1942. And it was activated on April 1st at Camp Claiborne in the same uh, Katoma area as the 758th. Major, then soon to be promoted to Lieutenant Colonel Edward E. Cruz, was the commander for that unit. At Camp Claiborne, it was very difficult for the Negro troops. They were in segregated quarters, which were located near the camp sewage treatment plant on the low grounds of a swampy area. Uh, the soldiers remarked that they never knew a day without mud, just everywhere. Preston McNeil, he was a uh, North Carolinian, he did his best to educate tankers from the North about the Jim Crow policies and all the unwritten rules of conduct for Negroes in the South because it did cause some problems for them, for uh, soldiers that were coming from the North to be exposed to the Jim Crow laws and the segregation that was prevalent in the South. 
When Leonard Smith ignored advice to take a southern black into town with him, his career almost ended when he was not deferential enough to a white bus driver who let him off in the white section of town where he was not allowed to be. Once the soldiers were settled and billeted in their tents, they were assigned to one of the four positions in a tank based on their aptitude and their ability. Also, they went through repeated drills on mounting and dismounting a tank. That was paramount. They had to be able to get in and out of the tank quickly because if you're caught in them, in particular the M4, or known as a Ronson, which was the name of a popular lighter at the time because they lit up so well once German tanks uh, hit them with their shells. So speed was of the essence, and they received lots of training on mounting and dismounting. As the 761st was formed, it consisted of five companies initially. They had a headquarters company, a service company, Abel, Baker, and Charlie. So they used letter designations for the main fighting force of each uh, unit, same as with infantry units. Then they also had a medical detachment assigned to the tank battalion. The strength at activation was 27 officers and 313 enlisted men. All officers were white at the activation of the unit. So the enlisted folks were black. But three black second lieutenants arrived after three months and 16 days of the activation of the unit. They were Charles Barber, Samuel Brown, and Ivan Harrison. From April 1943 to 6 June, the 761st participated in 3rd Army maneuvers where they operated with the 85th Infantry Division and the All-Negro 93rd Infantry Division, which was, and they were attached to the 3rd Armored Corps. The unit also worked with the 100th Infantry Battalion, which, for those of you who might know, the 100th Infantry Battalion was composed of the Japanese American troops, the Nisei Rainbow Division. Lieutenant General McNair actually had visited the unit in May. He had remarked that the vehicles and weapons of the 761st Tank Battalion were in excellent condition and well disposed in bivouac on May 12, 1943. He had seen the unit and he was confident in their abilities of being able to actually fight in the war. On July 4, 1943, Major Paul L. Bates assumed command of the battalion. And whenever you hear about the 761st Tank Battalion, they generally will refer to Major Bates as the prime commander. He was the commander that served with them from the early part of preparations to go to Europe and through Europe, even though at times he was not completely there. He had the heart of the tankers and they remember him fondly more than any other commander that they had. On September 14th, the 761st moved to Camp Hood, Texas with the battalion. A month and a half later, on 29 October, the 761st was able to drop the term light from their designation because they were then outfitted with the M4 Sherman medium tanks. Also, the battalion received an additional company, and the new company was designated Delta, or D, company. And they were the ones who utilized M5 Stuart tanks. Also, the battalion maintained a 105 howitzer assault gun platoon, 
an 81mm mortar platoon, and a reconnaissance platoon operating out of headquarters company. And a 105 of the millimeters shell. After this reorganization, the 761st went from 13 to 22 Negroes out of a total of 42 officers. First Lieutenant Albert J. Leto became the first Negro staff officer. Staff officers were those individuals who worked in headquarters. They were in charge of running everything for the unit. They wanted to have the best, the smartest there. The 761st finished their training in 1943 in high spirits, and this is when they embraced the battalion motto of come out fighting. The Army documented that the battalion entered France with greater confidence than most Negro units could muster upon entry into a theater of operations because of the training they received at Camp Hood, Texas. Texas was really a challenge for them. The maneuvers were pretty much nonstop. Lots of drills, lots of uh, engagement with uh, other units. They became a crack outfit just through the training before they even went overseas. Unit then departed from Camp Hood and landed on Omaha Beach, France on October 10, 1944. When the unit arrived, it had six white and 30 black officers and 676 enlisted men. So that there is also a testament to the ability of the Army to actually bring in some blacks as officers. So the quotas changed, whereas in many other black units, you still had a predominance of white officers leading. But these men have performed so well, the Army didn't have a problem placing them in those levels of command. In France, they joined the 26th Division of 12 Corps of the 3rd Army on October 31st. Their commanding general, Major General Willard S. Paul, welcomed them by saying, I am damn glad to have you with us. We have been expecting you for a long time and I'm sure you are going to give a good account of yourselves. I've got a big hill up there and I want you to take it and I believe that you are going to do a great job of it. So that was their introduction to battle. For the next podcast, we will talk about what they actually did and some of the amazing feats of the 761st Tank Battalion. That is the first part of this podcast. Come back in two weeks to hear the second part. My sources for this episode are Brothers in Arms, the epic story of the 761st Tank Battalion by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Patton's Panthers, the African-American 761st Tank Battalion in World War II by Charles W. Sasser, and Come Out Fighting, the epic tale of the 761st Tank Battalion, 1942-1945 by Tresvant W. Anderson, and Fact Sheet on 761st Tank Battalion, and that's from the Army History site. The book Come Out Fighting is actually written by a member of the 761st Tank Battalion. It was published shortly after the war, immediately after basically, with recollections from all those who serve. And it's an excellent source and free. And again, please take time to go to the website, blackvalor.net. If you have any questions, comments, you can leave them on email or in the forums at the site. And the email is blackvalor1010 at gmail.com. Thank you. 